Grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ as we gather on this World Communion Sunday and come to worship in both word and table. Our fall theme here at Northside is multiply. And our featured biblical stories are teaching us the new math of God's kingdom. Divine grace multiplies in human lives with miraculous results. And God blesses us richly and calls us to respond in kind. Today's sermon is loaves and fish. Our scripture lesson comes from Luke chapter 9, beginning with verse 10. As you're able, I invite you to stand and honor the reading of the gospel. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. Jesus replied, You give them something to eat. They answered, We have only five loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all of this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Amen. And would you please be seated. It had been a good day for Jesus and the disciples. Before the story we heard today, Jesus had sent out his 12 closest followers on their very first solo preaching trip. They went out two by two, and they returned with amazing stories of what God had done in and through them. They had witnessed the sick healed, the possessed exercised, miracles were performed. They proclaimed God's kingdom coming. And now they came back to Jesus and were bursting with the news. But Jesus was so busy ministering to the crowds, they had no time to talk or to eat. And finally, Jesus himself said to them, let's go to a remote place where we can rest and be together. So in John's version of the story, they push a boat out into the Sea of Galilee to find a place of rest and recreation. But the crowds followed along the shore. And word spread around the regions of Jesus' presence so that even more gathered. By the time they landed, there were thousands waiting for them. And Jesus looked on the crowd and was filled with compassion. They were like sheep without a shepherd. So he continued to minister to the people's needs. It will surprise no one who knows me that I am a firm believer in time management. Time is precious. It's one of those gifts that once you release, you never get back. You should plan your life and live your plan. I follow Vince Lombardi time. You show up 15 minutes early for any appointment. 
And I have to balance that strong side of my OCD personality with the recognition that sometimes interruptions are the most important part of our day. There was a Notre Dame professor who recognized that. He said, I used to complain about how my work was constantly interrupted, and then I finally realized that the interruptions were my work. We discover that life's detours oftentimes are the most interesting part of the journey. And if you've got eyes to see and ears to hear, God speaks to us and we see the, God, the Lord's presence in the midst of the interruptions of life. The disciples, no doubt, if they had been interviewed at this particular moment in the story, would have complained about how the crowds were interrupting their time of respite. But it became a story that we're recalling 2,000 years later. As evening approached, the disciples finally had enough. They said to Jesus, this is a remote place. Send the crowds away to the surrounding villages so they can find something to eat and a place to stay. And no doubt they were thinking, so we can eat also. Now at this moment, John tells a detail of the story that's not included in some of the other gospels. He turns to Philip and says, how are we going to feed the crowd? And Philip looks around at these thousands of people gathered and says, Lord, eight months' wages would not be enough to buy bread for every person to have a single mouthful. Now, John tells us Jesus only asked this to test Philip. He had already decided what he was going to do. Philip was right absolutely on an economic and mathematical level. But Jesus was speaking a language of theology and of religion. There are always people in any organization, including the church, who tend to default to a language of practicality and possibility. And that's a good thing. We both need people with their heads in the clouds along with those who have their feet on the ground. We need people who are willing to stand up and prophetically say, I have a vision. And we need others who are sitting there to ask, how much does it cost? Philip didn't realize this was a trick question. He forgot to factor into the equation who was asking the question. The Gospels all agree that there were about 5,000 people present. As Reverend Catherine shared with the children, that was not an accurate count. It was only the men who were present. And I preached on this previously on this particular story, and at the time I said to you, this is proof positive that the original apostles were not United Methodist clergy. Because we would have counted every man, woman, boy, Girl, if somebody was expecting, that counts twice, add a 10% ministerial estimate and round up to the nearest thousand. If I had been writing one of the Gospels, this would be titled The Feeding of the 10,000 Plus. There were a lot of people present. And at this moment, Andrew interpreted Jesus in one of the accounts. 
Andrew held an interesting place among the 12. He was not in that inner circle of Peter, James, and John. He always seemed to be overshadowed by his brother. In John's account, he is actually identified as Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter. If Andrew ever read John's gospel, you know he loved that. But it was Andrew who had brought Peter originally to Jesus. And now he does bring someone else to the Lord's attention, and it's a little boy. And this child has five loaves of bread and two fish. Most likely, the loaves of bread were barley bread, which is barely bread at all. It is sustenance food for poor peasants. And the fish, most likely, were the size of sardines. The child basically had the makings of one small fish sandwich. But Jesus graciously received the gift in the same way it was offered. And then he said and did something that the disciples would later recall after their last supper with Jesus. And in a few moments, we will recall in the liturgy of the Lord's Supper, he took the bread, gave thanks to God, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples. And he did the same with the fish, and they began to distribute the food to the crowds. You know what happened next. Over 5,000 people, 10,000 if I had been counting, were more than fed. Jesus didn't give them a taste. Our Lord didn't give them almost enough. He didn't give them just enough. He gave them more than they wanted or needed, and there were 12 basketfuls of leftovers. And I'm so glad that John included that detail about the little boy offering up his lunch. I am very aware that there are times in the church and in each of our individual lives when God calls the equipped. But there are other times God equips the called. And sometimes our Lord is simply waiting for someone, a warm body, to step up and say, I don't have much, but what I've got is yours. Use it in any way you see fit. And the equation ends up being that five loaves plus two fish equal one miracle included in all four Gospels. There's a verse that we are returning to time and again during the Multiply series, and it's featured in our bumper video from Luke chapter 6. It says, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing into your lap. Hear this spiritual principle. The measure you give is the measure you will receive. For me, grace is a lot like ice cream. It's an open secret. I love ice cream. For my 40th ministerial anniversary last year, uh, the church bought a soft-serve ice cream machine in my honor. It sits right there. It's one of the highlights of Wednesday night supper, as far as I'm concerned, along with visiting with you, of course. But where I first fell in love with ice cream, soft-serve ice cream, was at Chick-fil-A. And if somebody has worked there for a while, they know what to do. They fill the cup with ice cream, and then they take the cup, and they 
thump it. And the ice cream settles, and they can put even more in it. God's grace filling our lives to the overflowing. And it's amazing what God can do when we open our lives to his miraculous power in our lives. We constantly struggle as individuals and as a community of faith. Do we believe in a theology of scarcity or a theology of abundance? We serve the Lord God Almighty, the creator of the heavens and earth, who in effect says, eat all the ice cream you want. We'll make more if we need to. God's grace can never be exhausted in our lives. Following the feeding of the 5,000, 10,000, if I had been counting, Jesus went on to recall a story from Exodus that in two weeks we will revisit as a part of the multiply emphasis of how God fed the people of Israel in the wilderness with manna and with quail. And when the manna fell on the ground the first, uh, first time, uh, the Israelites were puzzled what it was. In fact, manna in Hebrew literally means what is it? And one of the curious things about manna was you had to collect it every day because it could not be stored. Take that story, combine it with Jesus teaching us to pray, give us this day our daily bread, and at the conclusion of the feeding of the 5,000, declaring to the crowds, I am the bread of life. And recognize today as we come and worship, God wants to meet the deepest needs of our lives. Those places where we are empty, where we hurt, where we yearn, where those places are, we need God to do something mighty in our lives. The Lord is ever more ready to act than we are to expect and to ask. And when we come to God and say, this is all of God, the results are five loaves plus two fish equal one miracle recorded in all four Gospels. Today we recall the feeding of the 5,000, and in a few moments we will recall some of Jesus' words in the liturgy of Holy Communion, of how he took bread, gave thanks to God, broke it, gave it to his disciples. And in that last supper, he told his followers, do this in remembrance of me. Remember this day. We serve a God of power and of might. Remember this day that God simply invites us to offer what we have. Remember this day that God wants to minister to your deepest needs as we receive elements of bread and of cup. They recognize not only God's physical, but God's spiritual nourishment of each of us. Remember that divine grace multiplied in human lives has miraculous results. Give us this day our daily bread, we pray to the Lord of life. Let us pray. Gracious and almighty God, hear the call of your children as we come this day. Satisfy our hunger. Quench our thirst. 
meet us where we are and fill the very deepest needs of our life. We come humbly offering up five loaves of bread, two fish, in the recognition that you multiply what we have with miraculous results. Abide with us this day, O bread of life, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.